You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from Pastor Robert. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. Pastor Aaron, can you grab me that stool? For some reason, I've just been wanting to sit down and teach a little bit. And I... I was told that there was a concert in Shinston last night and they had pre-sold a couple thousand tickets and it was an old rock band and people parked all over Shinston, paid $10. I drove by um, one of our church family's property and they had a sign out there that said, uh, private parking, $10 a spot. I said, yeah, that's right. Make some money off them rock and rollers, right? <laughs> And, uh, but uh, I'm glad I'm an old rock and roller. My, my feet's on the rock and my name's on the roll. Anybody in the house know what I'm talking about? Amen. So uh, let's get straight into it. You know, normally uh, early in the week when uh, I get direction on what way to preach, I always uh, shoot Pastor Carrie and uh, give her a direction where I'm going so she can pray and and. Uh, God gives her the music so that we're all on the same page here. Um, I thought I had the entire message put together early in the week because I knew I was going to be traveling on Friday or Thursday and Friday. And uh, so the title of the message is All or Nothing at All. All or Nothing at All. And uh, so let's get right into that and then I'll share uh, how the Lord changed a little bit of my direction uh, yesterday. So all or nothing at all. The word worship, you know, we sang a lot this morning about worship. We initially find uh, this uh, word in Genesis chapter 18. And if you go back and you study that and look at that, Abraham, he entertains three strangers who turn out to be the Lord and Two angels. So in Genesis chapter 18, verse 2, and he lifted up his eyes and he looked. And lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and he bowed himself toward the ground. Now, in what I've found there, the Hebrew word for his actions is the one that we recognize as worship. But the scripture's first mention of the word worship as we understand it, the intentional act of worship is found four chapters later in chapter 22. So stand with me for a moment for the reading of the word and then we'll ask Miss Mary to bless the reading of the word. So in Genesis chapter 22, verse five, and Abraham said unto his young men, he's speaking to his servants there. He said, abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder. Now listen, and worship and come again to you. Miss Mary, would you bless the reading of the word of God, please? Father, we thank you for your presence that we feel in this place this morning, for we truly are standing on holy ground. 
because, Lord, your presence is here. Your presence is here today, Lord, to minister, not to only be ministered to in our worship, but, God, any place that you are, Lord, and have been, you minister to individuals, Lord. We pray today, God, that no matter what one has need of, God, it's there. That's right. Lord, all we have to do is come unto you, Lord. Father, and you have what we have need of. We ask you today, God, that you bless this word. Bless our hearts, Lord, that hears the word. God, that we may become more like you. Bless our pastor this morning, I pray, and anoint him afresh and anew. God, and we ask today it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Abraham says to his servants, he says, stay here with the donkeys and the lad and I will go yonder and worship. Abraham has climbed the mountain with his son, his son Isaac, whom he loved with all of his heart. And as he's climbing this mountain, his intentions are to sacrifice his son where God had called him to take his son to a mountain and sacrifice him. I want you to think about this. God has allowed Abraham to mate, had allowed Abraham to wait many years uh, to have this child. Abraham was about 100 years old when he had Isaac. Isaac was not only his beloved son, but according to God, Isaac was the seed of a promised nation, that there would be a nation come out of Isaac. Now, God asked Abraham to give him back. Can you imagine? What is this all about? What is going on? In Genesis 22 and 2, and he said, take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Would Abraham, would Abraham trust God even when God's command did not seem to make any sense at all? What sense could you make out of? You've prayed all of your life. You've not had a, a child. And at age 100, God gives you a son by the name of Isaac. And then later in Isaac's teenage years, God tells you to take him to a mountain. By the way, I'm not going to tell you where until you start going. But once you're on your way, I'll tell you where to go. And when you get to that mountain, you put him on, a, on an altar and you you burn him for a sacrifice to me. What kind of sense could that be? Abraham found that God's unseen plans led to righteous, to a righteous outcome. How many can testify that there's been things in your life where you just couldn't understand? God told you to do it. It didn't make any sense, but it always came to a righteous outcome. If you've ever experienced anything, yeah, go ahead and give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. I want to talk a minute about the obedience of Abraham. 
And then I hope throughout this whole message, it really comes back. It's really not about uh, worship as what we would think, but it's about obedience. Uh, worship is a lifestyle, is being obedient to everything that God gives us. Deuteronomy uh, uh, chapter 11, verse 26. I don't even think I gave it to the media team, but I want to read it out of the NIV. It says, see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God. God has laid before us the blessings. God has given us everything that we need right here. And if we want to be blessed, God's way is better than our way. God's, God's word is better than our opinion. Can somebody in the house say amen? But if you don't want to go God's way, then you're not going to receive the blessings. Uh, we pick and we choose what word that we want for us, but that's not the way God lays. God honors uh, his word and his word only. Can somebody else say Amen. So let's look at the obedient father in verse three. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and he saddled his ass and he took two of his young men with him, his servants, and Isaac, his son. I believe as I studied, Isaac was probably around 13 years of age and clave the wood for the burnt offering. He actually cut the wood, split the wood, prepared it, got up early in the morning. He could, if it would have been you and I, I'd have thought, I'm sleeping in tomorrow. God, this is my son. Uh, God, I can't give my son. I'll wait till next week. Maybe by next week, uh, you'll change your mind. But obedience, when God speaks to you, when God tells you to do something, whether it makes sense or whether it doesn't, just get up and do it. Can somebody in the house say amen and give God a hand clap and a shout of praise? So Isaac... He took his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he claved the wood for the burnt offering and he rose up and he went into the place which God had told him to go. That morning, Abraham began, he began one of the greatest acts of obedience ever recorded in history, ever. Nothing else trumps that, if you want to say that. How have you responded to life's most frightening moments. How have you responded? You can only answer that question. I can look back at some frightening moments in my life and give myself an A plus. But I can look back and it would look like my high school report card, D's straight across the line. Look back in your own life and say, how have I responded in some of the most frightening moments of my life? And that's what this is all about. Those are the times that identify what we are made of inside. Do you hear me? During the fright, not the mountaintop experiences, but when we're in the valley, when the devil shows up and all of his hordes from hell and everything seems like it's falling apart when those circumstances come, how do we respond in them frightening moments of our life? And how we respond, it proves what we are made of inside. It doesn't do us any good to read the Bible every day, uh, to come to church and hear the word of God without 
somewhere along the journey when the frightening moments come that that word comes alive with inside of us and we don't respond like the world because we are not the world. We are the sons and daughters of the most high God. We are the children of the king of glory and greater is he that is inside of us. We don't have to respond like the world. We respond like the kingdom of God. Somebody respond and give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. At that very moment, when Abraham's horrible time is at hand, that very moment that we just read about, Abraham gave it a curious name not found in the Bible anywhere else until this place. He called it worship. That's true worship. Being obedient and surrendering and sacrificing to God. It's a lifestyle, as I've already said. In verse five, the second part of that verse, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. This is the first time that we actually read the word worship in the Bible. So let me talk just a moment about the power of faith. Abraham is prepared to give all that he has. Somebody say all. He's prepared to give all that is precious to him. And who's he willing to give it to? The one that gave it to him. Think about it. He wouldn't have had Isaac if God hadn't gave it to him. You wouldn't have anything and I wouldn't have anything if God didn't give it to us. Because God owns everything on the earth. Everything belongs to the Lord is what the Bible says. Everything. That means your money also. Everything that you have, God has given it to you. Can somebody say amen? amen. The people of, uh, well, here's, here's where God changed my message. What I thought that I was going to share. And I speak normally once or twice a year on giving. And this is really not a giving message. So if you're new, it's not something you hear, get browbeat, we don't even take an offering. It hangs there on the wall. But it, so I'm prepared Monday and Tuesday, I think, because I'm going to be out of town. So yesterday I'm mowing my grass. Man, I love it. I love it. Got a Cub Cadet, 39.8 horsepower, zero turn. Got an air seat. <whistles> put my sunglasses on, put my hat on, and I am there. And I'm mowing grass. And the Lord starts bringing this scripture to my mind. And I'm thinking, how in the world does it have anything to do with what you've led me to do here? So I want to share about giving. I want to read something to you. Turn with me to Malachi. Now this is yesterday afternoon. Had no idea why God was leading this to change. So we'll let God take care of it. Malachi chapter three, verses eight through 12. Now let me back up to verse seven. Even from the days of your fathers, you are going away from my ordinance. He's saying, not just you, your father, your grandfather. And if kept not with them, he says, return unto me and I will return unto you. He's saying, repent and I'll show up. You hear me? 
Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? What have we done wrong, God? That's what the people are saying. In verse eight, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? He says, in tithes and offerings. He said, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And then in verse 10, he says, bring you all the tithes and the tithe. The th I'll share that later. I'm getting ahead of myself. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, and there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now, herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall be room enough, not room enough, to receive it. And then he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. God has a way. It's not always returning uh, 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 from our tithes more money. God has a way of rebuking the things that would like to destroy things in our life. So, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and you shall not, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be delightful, be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. The people of Malachi's day ignored God's command to give a tithe of their income to his temple. And they may have probably, the problem was, they were fearful of losing what they had worked so hard for. But can I tell you, they definitely misjudged God. Even in the New Testament, in Luke 6 and 13, Give and it shall be given unto you. God's blessings we receive are not always monetary and will not always be completely experienced here on earth. So you say, what is the tithe? The tithe is 10% of our earnings. And it was, listen, that's how the temple operated without sufficient sufficient tithe and offering, the house of God would be closed down. So yesterday afternoon, God begins to speak to me and I come up here and begin to work on this. This is a part of our worship. And I can remember September 8th of 1994 when we opened up in a garage with 23 people. The church pews were 100 years old somebody gave them to us and they, the leg in the middle was higher than the two legs on the end so somebody sat down over here and this would go up like a seesaw and we had to cut the legs off. We had absolutely nothing but a Jimmy I can remember standing in the pulpit and saying from this day forward every time we receive an offering 10% will be, go back outside of this building. We will worship God with this 10 and we will help other people. And here we are going into our 30th year and we are in Meadowbrook, West Virginia with a facility worth over $10 million and it all started in a garage with a seed of worship to God because God said, test me and try me and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. God has done it.
God has done it. God has done it, and I stand on it, and I won't apologize for it. I started tithing under the instruction and the mentorship of my father when I was 22. And God, I didn't have nothing, man. I'm telling you, my first cars, I see what kids and my kids are driving now. My goodness, my first car, I cut cardboard. I paid $250 for it, painted it baby poop brown with a paintbrush, put the carpet under uh, the, the car cardboard underneath the carpet so my feet wouldn't hit the blacktop and God has been good to me and my family and I know where it come from because everything that I have comes from the Lord and I worship him with my tithe and with my offering. Somebody give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. Oh my. My mouth is so dry. I get to talking about money in front of people. I clam up. Can I take a look, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, he needs a drink. And it's water. Do you hear me? It's water. Tithe is a 10%. Tithe is a 10%. God's, it's his. It's not my gift. It's what he requires. Do you hear me? It's what he requires. No more painful. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, he needs to get back to the message and quit mowing grass. No more painful requests could be imagined than to say, Abraham, I'm giving you Isaac. I gave him to you, excuse me. But now I want him back. No more painful requests. It's an all or nothing at all commitment is what we're finding with Abraham. What we're finding with Abraham is a complete dedication. Complete. Paul wrote in Galatians 2 and 20, I have been crucified with Christ. Huh. Is there any way that you and I can be halfway crucified with Christ? Halfway? It's either all the way or nothing, right? Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There is no way to pick up half the cross and follow him. No way. That's just, it's just not possible. True worship is a sacrifice. I, I wrote down myself a little note here, the three T's, time, talent, and tithe. God don't want just your, and first of all, God don't need your money. God doesn't need my money. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God owns the diamonds in the mine. He owns the coal that some of you mine. He owns it all. God don't need nothing from you and I. God requires our obedience to show him that we believe that he is God almighty. Time, talent, and tithe. True worship is a sacrifice. So three things Abraham did that I find very important. One is recognizing God's voice. He recognized God's voice. Listen to this in Genesis chapter 22, verse one and two. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Did you hear that? God tempted Abraham. God tested him. And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, 
Here I am. He recognized God's voice when God was speaking to him and God was telling, I'm mowing the grass and I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard the voice of the Lord in my spirit giving me direction, recognizing the voice. He said, behold, here I am. And then God says, take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. God was testing Abraham, an act of worship. God was testing him. Think about this, in an entire nation, God had told Abraham and an entire nation would proceed from him. Verse 17, that in blessing, I will bless thee, and in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Verse 18, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. God made him a promise. God calls Abraham and God tells Abraham exactly what to do. God has called each one of us and God has given us direction exactly what to do in every area of our lives. And it all began with knowing the master's voice. Worship comes as a command. I gotta say it again. Worship comes as a command, not a suggestion. Many people come into the house of God and they don't want to worship God. They just don't want to do that. Listen, you are rebelling against the command of God. That he is a jealous God and there is none other to be worshiped except God Almighty. And he is, worship is an outward sign also. Do you hear me? And we'll talk a little bit about that. It all began with the master's voice and God tells Abraham where to make a sacrifice and what the sacrifice should be. God just told us in Malachi to make a sacrifice, a tithe, and he told us where it should be, in the temple. Do you, can someone say amen? Even if you disagree, say amen anyway. Listen to me, worship is God's idea. It's not Pastor Carey's idea. It's not my idea. Worship is God's idea. I'm gonna throw something here. I don't even know if I gave Psalms 95 and six. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. When we understand that God, you are our maker, it should not be hard to humble ourselves and bow down before the creator of the world and acknowledge God that there is none like you, that you are a holy God. God, and God, you have given me everything. You have given me the breath that I breathe. And today I want to honor you and worship you. Can anybody in the house uh, put your hands together and worship God Almighty? Woo. Psalms 104, enter into his gates. Enter, enter. It takes something to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name. I don't have a problem entering in with thanksgiving. God, you've saved my soul. God, you spared my life two years ago. The strokes didn't kill me. I'm not in a nursing home. God, that's my testimony. Some of you have been healed from cancer. Some's been spared 
from massive heart attacks. Uh, we got to realize that it's God uh, that spared our lives. Give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. Woo! Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, worship is God's idea. Luke chapter four, verse eight, Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. In the New Testament, we have God who makes that same sacrifice, who puts his one and only begotten son on an altar. And this time the hand of execution was not restrained. If you don't know the story, when Abraham walked to the top of the mountain and he put Isaac on the altar to burn him like an animal, God intervened. God spared Isaac's life. So in the New Testament, we find the same thing happened. But God didn't restrain. God spared his son's life that you and I could have life that's why we need to worship God with everything in our lives. Abraham recognized his master's voice first. Second, he responded. He could have recognized the voice, but if he didn't respond, he may as well not even have recognized it. So the second point is responding to his command in Genesis 22 and 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled with his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering. And he rose up and he went into the place of which God had told him. He made all the preparations for his journey. He could have pretended maybe, well, I don't think I really heard this. Could have just pretended. Put yourself in Abraham's sandals. You've heard the saying, put yourself in someone else's shoes. He didn't have shoes. Put yourself in Abraham's sandals. What if the voice of God came to you today with such a request? Worship is, and I read this and I wrote it down. Worship is an activity we pursue in obedience to God's directive. Worship is far from being passive. A couple weeks from now, the NFL will kick off. I used to just live for it. And I give a hoot about it anymore. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> I don't know what that was all about. It had to be Bruce. There's only one blooming idiot in here. Stand with me. I'm not done, stand with me. After that comment I made, you gotta stretch a little bit. You know, when all that stuff started, uh, not standing for the, the anthem, you know, and I was third generation Steeler fan, and you know what? I thought, I don't need all that stuff. I don't need all that stuff. And then you turn TV on and things going on, I said, I don't need all that garbage either. I don't even know why I'm going down. I'm gonna worship the Lord. But the NFL kicking off here in a couple weeks and uh, everybody in the house that loves it, whether it be high school sports or whatever, you're a spectator. Most NFL, I think we're all spectators. If there is an NFL player in the house, I apologize to you and I hope you pay your tithe, all right? So, 
I just, I just put a, I just put a spin on that, didn't I? Uh, um, but you're a spectator. When you come into God's family, you don't have to be a spectator. I looked over, I seen Pastor Eric, and he's very gifted in sports, and he started in, in all the sports in high school and all that stuff. I wanted to start, man. I want. I tried hard. I never, never got, never got off the bench very often. But when I came into God's family, I said, God, I want to be a starter. I want to be a starter. I don't want to be a a spectator. I want to be a participator. We can be participators in the kingdom of God in every area of our life. Our worship, our actual outward worship, but our finances, our forgiveness of others, I could go on and on. It's all worship. So put yourself in Abraham's sandals. God called Abraham to step forward and I believe he's calling all of us in every area of our life to step forward. All or nothing at all to do better. So Abraham recognized his master's voice. Second, Abraham responded to his command. But third, and I want to leave you with this. Abraham returned to God his best. His best. Genesis 22 and 2, and I've read it before, I'm going to read it again. And he said, take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Abraham's boy was everything to him. My buddy Joey Jenkins is here, and he sent me a text this week, and a little race, he's just the cutest little guy you ever laid eyes on. And, and they're on a side-by-side, and they're, they've got cattle, and they're chasing their cows. They're herding their cows on that side-by-side, and a little race is just hollering, woo-hoo, woo-hoo, and he's just a-hollering. And, and just by watching that video, Joey, I could just tell you how much, I could sense how much he loves that little boy. Isaac meant everything to Abraham. It was the son that he had waited for. It's the son that he had prayed for. It was the son that he had hoped for. And then when he came along, it's the son that they all rejoiced over. And then a few years later, God says, Abraham, take Isaac. And Isaac immediately rises early in the morning. Just to be burnt like an animal. Think about it. So that's in the book of Genesis. The book of Hebrews, clear on the other side of the Bible. It brings, it kind of puts the puzzle, the pieces of the puzzle together. It shines a light on Abraham's test. Hebrews eleven seventeen, By faith, by faith, in case you didn't hear me, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Here it is. How could Abraham do that, Warren? Because Abraham had received a promise from God. God said to Abraham, through you, through Isaac, a great nation will come. Abraham never missed a step walking up that mountain. Because he had faith in God. 
If God would have taken Isaac's life, Abraham had the faith to believe that God would raise him from the dead. Because he told his servants, he said, you wait here. The lad and I are going over there and worship God and we will be back. Is that not what it said? Faith, faith. He had the assurance that God could raise him from the dead. He had a promise and God does not break his promises. Do you hear me? Abraham believed the Lord would raise Isaac from the dead if that's what it took. Abraham worshiped in complete obedience and that's what God is asking for us. So I have a question here that I want to ask you. What would God ask you to place on the altar of testing in your life? Back in Malachi where I read that about the tithes and off, he said, test me. Try me. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out such a blessing that you can't contain, he didn't ask you and he didn't ask me to sacrifice my son. It's not even close. God cannot lie. Now I'm going to say this. Hold on a second. I'm going to say this and then I promise you I'm going to read this scripture and I'm going to quit. I did not bring this, I did not plan on tying the tithes and offerings into this money or into this message. And I, I don't do it today because the church is in bad shape because the church is as strong financially as it can be. We are blessed beyond measure and we're going to keep shipping it out. We're going to keep helping. We're going to keep building I did it to help you. And I said this a few years ago, if I knew I was preaching, if I knew I was terminal ill and I was in the pulpit for the last time, I would preach a message twofold. I would preach a message salvation and then I would tie it in with tithing because both has changed my life. My dad died at 89 years of age. He was a tither from a young man and he was so proud that he never paid one penny interest in his life. He never borrowed a dime and he didn't die as a wealthy man. My dad used to tell me, hey, he said, the world will tell you, don't live above your means. He said, that's a lie. Don't, he said, always live beneath your means and trust God. I want to help the young people. I want you to understand, man, you can go and you can charge and you can do all these things, but I'm telling you, you will never, never, never outgive God. Never, never. I just go ahead, bless the Lord. So let's look at the end of the story there. Verse 16, it said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies." And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now listen to this. Because thou hast obeyed my voice 
I got to read it again. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. I'm at George's hunting camp last night with my wife and my two of my children and several here that belong to that hunting camp. It was family day. And I left my cell phone in the car because I have no service there. And when we left, we went out the back way and got up on Maxwell Ridge. And it was almost dark. And when I got up to where I had signal, my phone dinged. And I'm on a pretty rough road there. I'm still not up on Maxwell Ridge yet. So I handed my phone as the safe driver that I always am. <laughs> and I handed my phone to my wife and I said, read this text. And it came from Becky Sands. And Becky's mom sitting right over there. And um, she said, hey, tomorrow, can you give a shout out to my brother, Sean, that lives in Indianapolis, Indiana, in that area? And I was just there Thursday and Friday. I had no idea. Said he watches every Sunday on live stream. And uh, said he's growing so much. Would you give him a shout out? And I told my wife, I said, I don't want to, I don't want to start doing that because everybody every week will come to me. So I said, text her back and say, give me his phone number. So uh, we got out on Route 50 where I had good signal and I called him. I don't think I've ever talked to him. And he answered the phone and I said, this is Pastor Robert at Jewel City Church. He, oh my goodness. He was like it was Billy Graham, you know. All the nations of the earth will be blessed because you do this. This is how we reach our nation. People all over, watching by live stream, watching by TV. We got the news, the gospel news. And it takes tithes and offerings. If it wasn't for the faithful givers of tithes and offerings in our church, we'd still be in a garage. I'll probably be closed. Here sits a lady on the front row, Andy Waddy. Day one, January 8th, 94. And I forget a lot of things, but a lot of things I don't forget. Her deceased husband that's with the Lord right now, Franklin Waddy, he came to me and he said, Pastor, I want to tell you one thing. I believe in what you're doing. And he said, I'll give you every dime I got, but don't ever lie to me. I said, Franklin, I don't want everything you got. God wants a tithe and an offering. And I'll promise you, I'll never lie to you. What would God ask you to test him with today? Fairmont State, young people, I'm glad you're in school. But none of that education in Fairmont State will help you like God's work. None of it. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of them down there trying to tell you that there is no God. But I'm telling you, there is a God. And you start out your life with godly principles, giving unto God. And I'm, I'm preaching to the, to the ones here. You'll probably, once you get out of school, a lot of, how, how many live away from here? How many? Yeah. So I ain't trying to raise our offering. I'm trying to raise God's blessings in your life. Because you'll go and you'll leave here and you'll go somewhere else. You trust God. You give God the first fruits and God will honor and God will bless you. Is there anyone in the house that would testify and let them know that I ain't lying for them?
the dying life. Come on, give God. Has God blessed anybody in the house? God blessed anybody in the house? Every head bowed, every eye closed. The first thing God wants, God wants you to hear his voice of salvation. God loves you and he gave his son he didn't restrain that. He gave his son Jesus to die on a cross for you. How in the world could we ever repay that? We can't. And you don't have to. The price has already been paid. Make no mistake about it today. If you've not humbled yourself and prayed and asked Christ to forgive you of your sin, you are lost. But today, by the grace of God, you can ask God to forgive you of your sins and this very moment you'll be saved for eternity and God will change and turn your life around. Is there any in the house? You've not prayed that and today you'd like to give your life to God. Would you raise your hand up high? I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to drag you down here. Is there one in the house? Is there one in the house? that would raise your hand and say, today, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ. I'm not going to tarry long. Is there one? Then as every head is bowed, is there any in the house where God has spoken to you? Maybe not just about tithing, but about any area of your life of being a lifestyle of worship. Lift your hand toward heaven and say, I heard, I heard the Lord. I heard that voice and I will respond. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 